1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hello, I'm Danny Kelly, and welcome to another edition of Talk Sports, My Sporting Life. On this show, I'm joined by a man who has competed as a sportsman in three different fields. Most notably, it has to be said, of course, in the game of cricket. Adam Holyoake enjoyed a long career in county cricket with Surrey, becoming one of the most successful first-class captains in the history of the game by leading the county to nine domestic trophies in seven years. He also starred for England in both Test and One Day Cricket, and in 2003, he was named one of the Wisdom Cricketers of the Year. And since retiring from the game, he's gone on to compete in both professional boxing and in the mixed martial arts arena. His life has been a mixture of sporting triumph and personal tragedy, and latterly, some business upsets as well. It's an amazing story. This is My Sporting Life with Adam Hollyoak. Adam, John Hollyoak, born the 5th of September 1971 in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I think you grew up um, in in, in, a, in a, a former mining town of Ballarat. Tell us about growing up, Adam.
3: Yeah, well, I had a, um, a, a funny growing up. I, um, I was all over the place. Uh, I, I mean, most notably, Ballarat was probably the only place that I stayed in for longer than six months, but we were um, basically nomadic, and my parents travelled around in a caravan all around Europe, and... Eventually ended up in back in Ballarat when I was about ten.
2: Sorry, uh, when you it. say you hang on you, you can't just uh, uh, Tease us like that. What, what were your parents doing? I mean, how did how did they sustain themselves? What were they doing in a caravan in Europe?
3: Well, my dad's um, uh, He's a, he's an engineer and his job takes him all around the world um, he's been pretty successful in that and and He had some long service leave and he just took off in a caravan around Europe and where did had you the go? Adam? Bug. I think we were you know, I mean I was two at the time mm-hmm. so uh, apparently we um we went all through Spain and I think we did the whole lot um you know Italy the whole you know I hear my parents talking about it a lot um obviously I can't remember from, from that age my sort of first memories are in Ballarat actually so uh-huh. um that's probably where that um, well
2: tell, well, tell us what, tell from. us about Ballarat
3: then yeah, well Ballarat's a um it's a small mining town it's um you know it's pretty uh, a bit of a country town it's it's just at about an hour and a half two hours outside Melbourne and um, I went to school there Uh, my parents were again were traveling and and they decided that it was time for me to uh, settle down and and try and get some sort of education so I went to a boarding school there in Ballarat um, at the age of of 10 and uh, I was a little bit bit younger than what you're supposed to be but my parents were sort of keen on me getting a good education and um, yeah I uh, ended up in this um, small country town and then from there went went to england but obviously um coming from a place like Ballarat to, to london was a huge culture change
2: i mean let me just uh, say that the family unit was uh your dad john uh your mum, uh daria who i think is half australian half indonesian um hence your, your handsome looks um and uh uh-huh. you, you j- just one brother ben who we'll talk about of course a great deal in this program
3: yep just one brother and a sister ah oh. my sister ebony that uh, there we got we have that we have the full the lineup Wide
2: achiever what does she do?
3: Well, she's basically a poor girls um, Led her life um, as, a, as a kid. She's the youngest of us all. She, she was just dragged around cricket games and rugby games and all sorts of other sport. And she was just the person that just basically just got dragged around. Poor thing. But she's unbelievably the only Holyoke that's been any sort of intellectual. So, um, yeah, she went on to uni and did, was pretty successful there.
2: Tell us about uh, then the, this. Tra- you get transplanted as a, an an eleven year old. I mean, it's an, it t- or uh, it's a tremendous wrench, surely, to go from um, Australia, for good, bad, or indifferent, to uh, Weymouth in Surrey. I think you know, your family were based, and, and and as you say, in the environs of London. Tell us about the culture shock of that.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you sort of touched on the fact I'm Indonesian, but I was probably in my um, school in 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 Ballarat. I was the darkest kid by a long way, mm-hmm. and um, I was sort of basically ended up in a fight basically every day for being the called chalk wedge or licorice stick it was um it's a fairly um a lot of the country kids um, went to school at the same school and wow. all they were good guys it was it was fairly rough it was um they they're good it's a good school I don't you know I don't want to say talk anything bad about the school no. but it was just it was just the just the way it is it was pretty a bit brasher than when i went to a, a beautiful public school in Weybridge. um and when i turned up there everybody was I remember the English accents, you know, very well-spoken and everything that. And I thought, these people have got to be joking, talking like this, haven't they? They must. This I must be on a TV show or something. So um, it was a massive culture shock. And then I turned up there, and I wasn't the whitest kid, and I wasn't the darkest kid. It was just probably the first time I actually just settled in somewhere and went a little bit under the radar.
2: And uh, in all of this, uh, there's a sporting background, I think, in your family, um, and, and you, you were g- good at, uh, at sports, particularly cricket. I mean, d- how quickly did you establish sh- yourself as a, as a young, a good young cricketer here in England?
3: Um, I think I pretty much established myself as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a humble guy, as you get to sort of um, hear over this show. I, mm-hmm. I established myself in, in every sport when I first went there. I was, I was a man-child. I just grew up. I was big at the age of 12, and... I remember coming there and just being a lot bigger than the other kids and so every sport I did I was um, I think I was just bigger and stronger and developed quicker than than those kids so um, cricket was just uh, one of the one of the sports I did and I wasn't particularly um, you know better than that than anything else Uh, but one one thing I do remember about first coming to England, my very first um, game of cricket was a Surrey under 12s trial I went down to the Nets at Guildford and the they obviously saw that I was big and I could bowl fast and I went down there and literally the first kid I bumped into was um, was Mark Butcher. Wow. He uh, we obviously went on to play for England and I remember this kid, he turned up and he had all the kit. He had, you know, his dad was obviously a professional player and handed him all the stuff down. He had sunglasses, he had everything and I remember um, it rained and I um, had never played on a turf pitch before. Um, we have just played on AstroTurf out in yeah. Australia and I ran up and couldn't stand up so i just took my shoes off and bowled barefoot and um i just remember he always talks about that to this day and you know i wouldn't i'd bat without gloves on and he i was literally like a a cowboy and um, he was this kid because it's just from a young age we became best mates and um but totally different he grew up um, you know, with all the the right stuff and all the gear, and I was well, yeah, I had yeah. no idea, basically. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And of course, um, we'll we'll uh, get onto you when you get onto your cricket career. Of course, you're now an all-rounder. You mm. could bat, you could bowl, uh, and all the rest of it. At uh, What stage did you decide to take cricket seriously, um, uh, and why? Why were you? We, why did you become a professional cricketer if you were so good at other sports? Could you have gone another route?
3: Yeah, I had an option to go uh, plenty of other routes. Actually, I mean, the, the, it it just it was just the timing it just turned out right i was rugby was my real love mm. and, and boxing as you as you'll hear obviously as we go on um my parents have never been keen on the fighting so um i just found out i was good at it when i was in ballarat and i was fighting yeah. every second day and i kept if, I kept I, if winning, I knew you could so have stayed
2: like... a couple more years when you became a man child then you could have been the best fighter in ballarat as well
3: <laughs> exactly so um I just I went down and I joined Working Amateur Boxing Club when I got there, and I just went went up through the uh, uh, age groups playing rugby. I played South of England rugby and England uh, England junior rugby. So what I, position, Adam? I sort of I started up on the wing and played a bit in fullback and played a bit in the centres. So I had to go everywhere. Um, I used to play candy hockey as well. And wow! I was just big and athletic. So I, I mean, my brother was exactly the same. He. Um, I think he represented England in about three or four different sports so he was just uh, very talented this is shocking we're having to
2: import our sporting talent from Australia that is just horrible
3: (laughs) I don't know about that it was um, we didn't really belong anywhere and that's um, you know actually the first time we actually spent more than 18 months in one place was during those sort of sporting developmental years so we probably learnt to play although uh, you know I'm and it sounds big-headed, but we were pretty um, naturally gifted sports people. But we actually got taught the finer arts of everything in England. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting one. Okay. And the, how I became to become a professional cricketer was uh, just I was just as I said, minding my own business, doing sport, uh, all my sports. And then one day, I had a um, the 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 dormitory master came to me and said, Ian Gregg wants to come down and talk to you. And I was like, well, Who the hell's Ian Gregg And um, he was obviously the captain of Surrey yeah. at the time. And, and he came down and um, he said, right, we want to offer you uh, a contract to, to play professional cricket with Surrey. And I was like, firstly, what's a contract? And secondly, what do, what do I have to do? So I had no idea. I just wasn't headed in that direction. So well, I, um, I, I... I said, I've got to ask my dad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, County Cricket Club um, has a rich history in English game. They won seven consecutive championships uh, during the 1950s. What kind of club did you find though when you when you went there as a, a late teenager to start your professional career?
3: Yeah, no, it was uh, you know it's an amazing club. Everybody down there is um, you know it's so keen for success. Um, and I think that when I first got there, we you know we were just trying too hard. Um, but you know we had people like Alex Stewart around uh, who was just just totally um focused on on us being successful as a club so uh, i came in as a 16 17 year old and uh, i was a bit wide-eyed and you know very raw when i first came there so uh, i just sat back the first few years i had to do a qualifying period to um before i was eligible to play in the first team and kind of just sat back and watched things and uh, as you've probably gathered i was pretty um, pretty raw kid at that stage mm-hmm. so um, just just um basically tried to stay out of trouble and keep my um head down and, and just practice and hopefully be ready when I qualified
2: I mean you, you, you talked earlier on about being a fast bowler a um, quite fast bowler when you first came over and of course you can also bat at, at this stage when you're getting ready to make your debut um, in 1993 um, mm-hmm. for Surrey what, what, what did you decide it to be were you going to be a bowler, a batsman or were you always going to be an all-rounder Adam
3: no mate, I, um, funnily enough I was, um, I was a tear away fast bowler really? Um, I could, I could literally just run up and wang the ball down there. There was not much thought went into it. Uh, as I sort of alluded to earlier, I was a big, strong kid and mm-hmm. um, that was as much as I had to do to be successful. Obviously, a turned professional, you know, that that doesn't work. I then had a really bad um, back injury. I had a double stress fracture in my back and um, we didn't pick up on it and I just carried on trying to play and basically got to the point where I was told you're never going to um, bowl again So um, by the back specialist in Harley Street and that, uh, you've got a year basically out of the game um, so I, um, I went and practiced batting at that stage I was literally the obligatory number 11 batsman field at fine leg and bowl fast and during that time I went away and worked on batting because I had no other option I couldn't bowl yeah and sort of turned myself into into a guy I could bat a bit I was still deemed as a um, you know a lower order batsman probably like I said I made my debut. Uh, as a bowler and batted at number seven. And um, and when I got my 100... Uh-huh. 100 on debut so <laughs> hey. it was like, all of a sudden I was like hang on I might be alright at this let so, me just remind
2: people that was early in, in the 1993 uh, sorry late in the 1993 season in August uh, you made your first appearance against Derby and you're absolutely right you made 123 batting at 7 um, and the, that must have opened people's eyes
3: well it opened my eyes I was uh, like hey I, I didn't think I was I was capable of this so um, I'd always been told you know it's not one of those things you know, you always get told oh you're a fast bowler and you know concentrate on that Um uh, all of a sudden, I scored 100 on debut, and I was like, "Wow, you know, I might be, I might be okay at this." And and then from then on, I um, I just well, you know, carried on improving for the first each year on year. So I was given, I think that just more than anything, it just showed people that once you've done it once, you know, you can do it again. So the club then started taking me seriously as a batsman, and. And probably more importantly, I started taking myself seriously as a batsman.
2: And also, you I mean, you did, let's be honest, you 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 did become an all-rounder because the days of the tearaway fast bowling were obviously behind you. But uh, I don't mm. know how you did it, but you also then you turned yourself into a, a, a... What's the word I'd use? A very handy, medium-paced bowler, yeah?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, the speed was gone. I mean, my back was um, sort of troubled me throughout my, um, my career. Uh, unbelievably, it hasn't stopped me from doing anything else other than mm. bowling fast. So... <laughs> um it's just a, a strange injury that you know the way it worked and um yeah i just uh, i had sort of find when i realized i couldn't bowl fast i'm not the tallest bloke in the world i mean i'm just under six foot so you know to be successful as an out and out fast bowler um there's been many times i've sat back and thanked um god for for that back injury because i wouldn't have made it as a bowler so um you know that's um it was sort of a blessing in disguise
2: I mean, your progress once you got into the uh, the Surrey team was was pretty pretty good in in 1994. You had your first full season in 1995. Um, you won a, your county cap. I also made a very very fast fifty uh, in one day uh, cricket against against Yorkshire. In fact, I think it was um, the fastest we'd ever seen in this country. Um, uh, Surrey was still not super successful, and uh, uh, but this this came to a kind of end in in 1995. There was a special general meeting. Um, and I think because uh, you'd finished 12th in the county championship do you remember that meeting and what what was said because I think it's it's one of the, the, the seeds get sown for the amazing success that the team and yourself enjoy in subsequent years
3: no I don't I mean I've read about it um go on I mean to, uh, to set the picture straight I mean I'm I mean, I'm just a dead set getting in trouble every weekend I was um you know I'd go out and get in punch-ons and I remember one particular night I was out with three of the guys from the from the cricket team and I got in a massive um, fight in the pub and broke my hand and I was given warnings by the club, look, you know, fight anymore and, and you know, you're going to have your contract torn up, so... Were you, were, I don't even know what were, it, I, I didn't even about, know what an Adam? annual general oh, I don't know I was an angry young man <laughs> I'm the most chilled out dude in the world now but back then I can I was hear that dick.
2: yeah <laughs> and I can't imagine you standing up in a fight in, in a pub and starting a row oh, to be honest no,
3: oh, I never started one I never <laughs> ever started one. I just used to finish them mate <laughs> it was just uh, I, I'd, um, I just you never backed down from anything so if someone came up and wanted to um, to you know start getting aggro with me I was like okay well you know I like fighting so let's have a fight so I never particularly got angry or anything like that it's just it's been something that I've always enjoyed doing I don't get particularly upset or angry about it it's just something i, I kind of enjoy doing so well
2: whatever um, whatever, whatever, it, whatever we'll hear more about your boxing later on the show but whatever happened at that at that meeting in 1995 surrey started hmm. to definitely improve i mean in 96 they uh, finished third in the championship you won the sunday league and you were the player of the year um i guess by that stage you must feel you're you're a properly established professional cricketer yeah
3: um yeah oh yeah definitely um that those years 95 96 were it was strange years. I think I think what the one of the main things I remember from those years is we were sat there and we were complaining and always moaning about oh our England players like Alec and Thorpey being taken away and um, we, we didn't really have any identity as a team. We were just you know, was wanting these guys to be there for, to win us all the competitions. Right. And it's sort of those years where we, we sort of you know, we said, you know, we've got to man up here and we've got to um, you know we've got to like we can play we're going to need those guys and we i mean they're bonus when they're around they're world-class players but um you know we've got to man up and we have got to take some responsibility and um you know we did that during those years and, and and they were formative years and we had a lot of arguing amongst ourselves and a lot of chest beating and we were young dudes and um you know those years were were crucial to the, the success that we went on to achieve because they you know they put us in our pecking order and few people got told a few home truths and I had to sort of grow up and stop being a lout and, um, you know, and, and they were important years in the success to what, um, happened with Surrey.
2: I mean, um, I, I was going to say, you, you also start, as you say, Alex Stewart is away on England duty very often. It's during those years you start um, to occasionally captain Surrey as well. Um, from what you've been saying... Um, no one else was left. I was going <laughs> to say, uh, are you natural captaincy material, Adam?
3: Mate, I was the last person left. <laughs> Everyone else had, had a go. There was, um, we'd had Thorpe, he'd had a go. He was then going away for England. We had four or five guys who'd tried captaincy, and for various reasons it just hadn't worked and it was sort of like I remember Graham Clinton came and said we're going to make you captain I don't think anyone was more surprised than me because I, here I was a year or so earlier being told you know I'm going to be thrown out the club if I don't start behaving myself and the next minute I'm asked to be captain and I'd never been captain of any team grow, ever growing up. I'd always just been like the you know the crazy guy who just um, you know uh, who the, the people just didn't mess around with and just let him get on and do his thing all of a sudden this is the last this is our last roll of the dice let's try this kid out so um, yeah, just it went along, and then you know, I just remember saying to the guy, I've always been a, a people person, and I said to the guys, like you know, like you know, I'm captain here, but you know, um, you know, we've got to do this together. This is this is not my team. This is our team. So um, whatever we do, you know, there's no point in fighting amongst ourselves anymore. I mean, let's just get on and try and win the game. So um, that's that's that sort of it started to turn around, and you know, we were like just honest with each other i think and okay. and, I, and i think it helped that we started to grow up you know so
2: well I mean, let me just say yeah. that you know your own form hadn't gone unnoticed you'd made uh, your one day debuts uh, in, in in late in the summer of 1996 against pakistan you captained an england a team uh, down to australia and uh, but really started to uh, motor when you became captain of surrey in 1997 uh, and made a tremendous impact in the one day game in a series against australia Um, I think I'm right in saying that that England won won the series with three wins and you scored a winning run in each of the series in each of those games in the series but Mm. also um, that your brother who is younger than you, that Ben had started to play not only for Surrey but also for England and do you think um, Mm. uh, having a younger brother in the team meant that you had to grow up as well as a captain and as a person?
3: Um, Not really, I mean uh, he came to England a year or two earlier that's probably coincided with me growing up because he came to Surrey as a young 16 year old and and I had to look after him, you know what I mean? So um, I was almost like his dad, you know? So um, I had to kind of... T- I took him into my house and show him the ropes and look after him and make sure he was eating properly and stuff like that. So uh, I had to sort of... I had to grow up a bit, you know? So um, I think that that in that way it helped me. But, um, you know, he was a talented uh, dude in, in his own right and, you know, he didn't need any help from me on the cricket field. It was just, um, I guess... As people, we we you know our relationship um, helped us both um, get better. I think
2: and uh, one of the uh, things that happens um, in that year of 97 is that you sorry won the Benson and hedges the uh, now um, I've probably been renamed six times since then but they won the one-day competition beating Kent in the final at Trent bridge um, how important was that for as a stepping stone to what sorry we're going to achieve over the next four or five years
3: it was crucial because um, we won our first competition in 1996 um, in this we won the Sunday League and um, that was a sort of watershed that just wow we're actually capable of winning something here because before that we had no belief we um we thought we were good but we we told everybody else in the country we were good but we didn't back it up you know we were just big talkers so to do that actually you know i think it showed us that we were capable of doing it and then 97 the benton hedges was one step further and that just um i think that just cemented us hey you know we really are um you know that wasn't just a fluke last year and And now we want to go into bigger and better things.
2: Adam, um, we'll talk later on about the amazing success uh, once you've got the team together that Surrey enjoyed. In this section of the show, I'd like to talk about your England career. And let's first of all talk about your Test debut, um, August of 1997. Um, It was the fifth Test of a six-match series against your native Australia. I mean, it's extraordinary in many, many ways. Here you are... Playing against the country where you effectively grew up, and, and you are Australian. Let's be honest. Whatever. what I let me ask you that. Do you feel Australian? Um.
3: Yeah. I guess I, I do. Um. I don't really feel anything. I don't feel like I belong anywhere. It's weird. It's. Uh, I feel very nomadic. Um. Like I said, I always travelled around as a kid, and I could. You know. I think the question that you really want to know is, do I feel English? And and the answer to that is probably no. Um. I mean, I played for England, and, you know, I, that was me reaching the top of my profession, and if I was to have to say where do I d- deserved or belong, it was as an England player. It wasn't as an Australian player. I never played cricket in Australia, so... Uh, but I don't actually, nationality-wise, I, I don't feel like I belong in any country. Um, I've just always been a traveller, really, so...
2: Okay, well, uh, you, you, yeah. you you do play... I mean, uh, as I say, an Australian kid um, playing for England in that, in that Test match against that great Australian team was one remarkable thing but of course you also you made your debut um, on the same day as your brother Ben made his test debut how special was that? Well
3: at the time it didn't seem like any big deal do you know what I mean I mean obviously now it's one of my um, my fondest memories and something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life but at the time it was like you know it was no big deal um, you know me and, and him would just would achieve success and you know we kind of expected it so um i was a little bit surprised he was he was there so early he he's only 18 or Mm -hmm. something so um um but you know on the the day it was like we didn't even think we just it was like going and playing for Surrey again it wasn't we didn't sort of understand the magnitude of us both making our debut as brothers and i think it was only even like the last few years that someone actually told me that was the first time that had happened for since, I don't know, since 1957,
2: I don't know, yeah, when uh, two, two men, yeah. call, uh, believe me, I don't remember it, Peter and Dick Richardson of Worcestershire, uh, played for England together. I mean, you, you, what you say is interesting yeah. there to, to me, Adam. Um, look, this is impossible because we all grow, I suppose, a little wiser, or at least we hope to grow wiser as we get older. But it, it's, uh, given what's, what happened subsequently, particularly with your brother, do you, do you wish someone had told you to try and focus more on what was happening in those early days and not just to kind of expect it because you were both so talented?
3: Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah I mean look you know it is what it is you know you you just go along and at the time I think you, you do not you do take it for granted I mean if you'd asked a lot of other guys um, I think they would have done the same and yeah you know in hindsight there's a lot of things you'd probably do differently when you look back but um, you know we were just you know we could understand we were just young kids I was like 24 he was 18 and um, we were just going along and, and playing games of cricket next minute we're out there playing against um the best side in the world, and it didn't seem like a big deal at the time. But now, when you look back at, you know, it obviously was. So um, it's you know, it's hard to sort of think we should have thought differently. I guess.
2: Sure. Well, you uh, you played in both the, the fifth and sixth test. Uh, England lost the fifth uh, and uh, actually won the last one. In that way, that England were always winning the last test when Australia had given us a clattering um, uh, in the in the course mm. of the series. I mean, it, it, it is worth saying, of course, um, that Australian team, and you can tell me the rest of them contained. Um, Shane Warne, Gillespie Glenn McGrath, both the War Brothers, Mark Taylor, Ricky Ponting Um, it it wasn't a fair fight was it Adam because it it is arguable that's the greatest cricket team that God has ever put shoes on
3: yeah well you know test cricket isn't a fair fight you know what I mean you you know uh, I think if you were to ask me like if ask anybody which side would you least like to um, play against then you'd probably say you know the side West Indies side in the 70s and 80s and, and then that Australian side and um, but by the on the other side flip of the coin it's like wow, I had the opportunity to play against these guys who are um, you know they're going to go down in history and um, they were great players and you get a chance to test yourself against these, legends of the game did you so get you don't, did, to, you don't want to lose in that experience
2: i mean and also you I mean they're also famous famous they're a group of very hard nuts as well when you came to the wicket to play in those two tests against australia um did your background in, uh, in australia whatever about your own feelings of nomadicness and all the rest of it, nomadicness as a word did they give you plenty of jip yeah. as we say here in england
3: oh absolutely and i was you know i was kind of hoping they did because you know i you know i felt at that time that i um you know i perform better when when pressured mentally and I, sometimes I'm, i could be accused of drifting off and lacking focus but when i was a sledged i was you know sometimes it would help me focus but i didn't re- these guys are not only the best players in the world their sledging is so good it's um it, it's shane what i think they had done research on me and i was standing there waiting to take guard and um i think it was warning actually said to me hey oz um i wonder if your uncle rex is watching back in ballarat i went man i turned around i was like do you know rex (laughs) and it was like i thought these guys are man these guys are good they've gone away they've done their research and and that's uh, but that's almost
2: creepy though isn't it
3: it was it was a bit spooky (laughs) i was like hey don't be bringing my uncle rex into this you know like (laughs) it was um yeah it was it was good stuff you know they came out with some good banter and they'd actually um a good friend of mine was on that tour it was brendan julian who played Vasari, and they um he told them during the one days he said hey man don't don't sledge these this guy he you know he fires up if you if you sledge him just keep quiet and don't say anything and I think by the time the test matches come around, they, were, they got sick of not saying anything to me and they couldn't bite their tongue any longer. They were into me before I even taken guard.
2: <laughs> it, 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 it sounds remarkable, but not as remarkable in some ways. I mean, uh, we'll come on to what you feel about this. But you, you only played four tests for England in total, which given your success mm. at Surrey seems a bit odd to me now, but you, those two tests were against the great Australian team. Then you went to the West Indies um, in, early in 1998. Um, and you played in one of the more remarkable and short, shortest Test matches of all time—that first Test at Kingston. Um, did you get? I mean, I remember. It, 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 for those who don't remember, the pitch was an absolute disgrace, and uh, um, England were, were in the process of being bowled out for about fifteen, one five, when the umpire said, "No, this isn't suitable." Did you actually get in, Adam?
3: No, I didn't. I didn't get in. It was um, no. It was uh, it was crazy stuff out there. I just remember it being complete turmoil and balls you know one ball flying at the head the next ball rolling on the floor and obviously they had ambrose and walsh and pretty um, yeah that'd do it stuff with we had, weird had toughers running around the changing room crapping himself so it was like <laughs> it, it was um it was bizarre scenes really
2: um you actually played in the second test uh, in port of spain and that was the end of your england test career which you know which um, contrasts with, uh, with with your one day career do you think you had a fair crack at the whip in the longer form of the game adam um
3: yeah uh, i guess look you know if you look back at the 90s there was a lot of guys who came in got given one or two tests and then flicked yeah um so I think I could be with a handful of players who could have and have some sort of argument saying we didn't play. You know what? If they'd given other guys a chance, I might not have even got a chance in the first place. I'm the first to hold my hand up and say, my concentration over one day isn't that good, let alone five. So um, for me to play a Test Match was a big thing. My One of my biggest, weakest points is my ability to concentrate over a long period of time. So um, I was always, so, always um, suited to the shorter form of the game and 2020 would have been perfect for me because um, you know, I'm always there for a good time, not for a long time. So, it's, <laughs> test match was always hard for me. I, I will say this:
2: uh, you you got four caps. I work here regularly at Talksport with uh, Ronnie Irani, of course, an exact contemporary of yours, running and seen He only got three test match caps. But whatever you say about the selectors oh, and there, uh, but uh, but that we we think that's about right. Three for Irani. That's plenty, isn't
3: it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he, oh, he shouldn't have played that many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ronnie's a legend. Oh, and he's a he's a good guy. He's just one of the guys similar to me. You know, he was, um, he just gave it his all and, you know, just, just went out and gave it his best shot. So, mate, you know, Ronnie and I had a great relationship over the years. We abused each other, playing against each other, and, you know, just a good guy there.
2: Talk to me about then uh, taking over the captaincy of the one day team. I think it was a, a tournament in Charger. Mike Allerton, Mike Allerton, for whatever reason, um, decided not to do it and you to go to the tour, go to that, that tournament. And you find yourself captaining England in the one-day arena.
3: Yeah, no, it was like, strange because, you know, I'd played, I think before that point, I'd played, I think maybe like uh, the five one-day international a, yeah. a, a handful, yeah. Yeah, I'd played five. I think two against Pakistan and three against Australia. So, um, you know, next minute I was asked to be captain. I was like, man, you, you don't turn down the captaincy of your country. You don't You do not do that, do you know what I mean? I was like, if someone said to me, do they think it's a good idea? I'd have said, well, no, I want to establish myself a bit more before before I do that. But, you know, hey, I'm not going to, back away from any challenge so come on let's do this and then we went out there and then we had half a team and um you know Goffey didn't come and Athens didn't come and a few others were like sort of resting up for the West Indies trip and um and you know we just had a great bunch of guys and we just gelled and um it just happened you know we just we we just had a great spirit and no one was really the media weren't interested in what was going on out there and we just went out and played and next thing we're um you know we're beating India and Pakistan and West Indies and and we won the whole thing. You, was, won, you won.
2: You won the know, trophy. What did that feel like?
3: Yeah, that was. Um, it was great because it was. It was winning uh, a trophy with a bunch of guys who I'd become very close with over a short period of time. And you know, as we're going to talk about, I'm sure. And nine, the, the biggest moment for me in cricket is, um, with Surrey is like growing up with these guys and then achieving something as a group, is far better than you know anything that you'll do, um, uh, as an individual or anything. So it's always great when you can you know, enjoy stuff with guys you like. And that was, you know, they were a tremendous bunch of guys and I really enjoyed them. And um, and, and, and to me, that's, you know, probably my favourite moment playing for England.
2: Um, the, the the tournament, looking back, the tournament, particularly the Pakistani team, there's been a lot of talk about, indeed, there's been investigations into whether or not um, they were trying their hardest, bookmakers, all the usual things that uh, occasionally blight like cricket. But... Um, were you aware, Adam? What was the atmosphere like around that time in in, in one day cricket internationally? Were were, were there accusations that the people were not playing the game straight?
3: Yeah, no, there was there was some sort of talk about it. We, you know, we were out there to play the game. I'm not uh, yeah, I just thought I was really good. I kept on bowling straight balls, and these guys kept missing them. <laughs> it was like, uh, oh wow, they don't miss those in county cricket. Like, um, I think there was we didn't think anything of it at the time, but when I look back now, I think you know some funny stuff happened and. And I actually got approached myself um, in that same um, that tournament out there to um, give some inside information to a bookie. And wow. So it's just starting to come out. I mean, now in hindsight, you know, people gone to jail and um, so it's big news. But back then it was pretty like, oh, you know, the guy rang me up and asking for some information and... It didn't seem like a big deal i just went and told the manager and was like yeah yeah whatever and get on with it you know so it did, i mean now looking back if we were the knowledge we've got it's like wow this is it's a big deal you know what i mean but uh at the time it was just all new so you know, we just thought we were doing better than we obviously were. <laughs>
2: Adam, the, uh, the your uh, your term as captaincy ended as a mixture of things. England changed their policy yet again. As you say, this was in the days before England selectors got their act together and they decided they wanted to have one person running both the teams and you also had a shoulder injury. You end up playing um, under Alex Stewart, your great friend um, and colleague from Surrey, including in the 1999 um, World Cup. And overall, you know, you played about th- 35, 36 times for as a one-day cricketer and again, I'm going to ask you the same question as I ask you about your test career. Are you happy um, given the amazing things we're going to talk about with Surrey that you that you that you made the most of your talents in the one-day arena for for England
3: um, Yes again I mean uh, I think you know if someone said to me should I have played more tests or more one- day internationals I probably feel if anything I might have played a few more one- day internationals but hey look what, what are we talking about? Like? Are we talking another 10 or 20 games I mean, well, if I play 35 or 55, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I might have played 25. It, it, the fact is, you know, I know I went out there every time I play and I gave it my best and I just had a crack. I'm not going to sit here now like I have a many 15 years later and say, oh, I should have played, you know, 20 more games. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about the memories. It's about the people. It's about, um, you know, enjoying the moment. So... Yeah, yeah, I could have played a few more games. Uh, maybe I could have. Maybe I mean, and there's probably hundreds of other county cricketers out there saying the same thing. Uh, you know, I don't want to be a dude sitting around like crying in my beer about what might have happened. It's like, let's get. I had a great time and just um get on and just enjoy it.
2: Um, Adam, we spoke earlier about uh, about your early years with Surrey, but now I'd like to return, if I may, to the period between 1997 and 2003, where you captained the county to... I won't say unprecedented success because they were so successful in, this, in the late 50s, and early 60s, but to a success that no county um, has since or looks likely to achieve. I mean, uh, what, what, do you, what do you make of the dominance that Surrey enjoyed? Winning the championship alone in 1999, uh, 2000, 2002. Um, one great team, several great teams. How did you do it?
3: Um, well, firstly, like 99 is, you know, that, that's the pinnacle of, of, of everything as far as I was concerned. Um, you know, we'd grown up, like I mentioned earlier, about with Mark Butcher and, um, you know, Alex Stewart had grown up with this great desire for us to win, um, well, the championship is the thing we all aspired to.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: When we won that championship in 99, that was like the proudest moment of my life. It was, we did, you know, when you, some of the things that you cherish the most are often the things you have to work the hardest for um and that was the first time we'd won the championship since the year i was born which is 1971 so that was a massive thing for us um I, you know it's like i remember you know, people just tears of joy in our changing room when we won that thing so um and then i think from then it was just okay let's kick on now and let's really like um uh, let's really dominate this thing which I, th- which I think we all felt we could do and uh you know it was open um Chats in our, our our change room about that. That's what we're going to do. We're going to dominate this thing for four or five years. And um, you know there was other great sides out. There were some other very good sides out there. And um, we just fortunately at those particular years we just had their number. Um, uh, for for and we had great players and it just all clicked for us and just things went right. We had a bit of luck and you know everything just happened for us.
2: Adam, I'm glad to hear that there were tears of joy in the dressing room in 1999 because um, sometimes. Uh, these days the county championship has become a bit of a backwater and um, the star players tend not to play in it because they're off with their various countries um there's there's the people come and go in the teams um with very short term contracts so i think it's devalued the tournament but it's good to hear that the players obviously clearly took it took it very very seriously
3: ah oh, it was the this it was the the ultimate you know that's the you know you think about the the days you play your cricket in in your season at 17 uh, four day games there was. Um, so that's a lot of those days, is, you know, and then we had three other one day tournaments, but the amount of days you spent out there striving to win that championship, there's no more money available or anything like that. Or there's certainly, like you've alluded to, winning a Benson and Hedges trophy is a far bigger occasion and more publicity. So um, it was just a personal thing that we just decided we wanted to do. We wanted to win that championship. And I, I can't comment on, like, what the championships like now but I think a lot of the other sides were the same back then 99 was two divisions 2000 was the first year of of one division so um, to win those those two was just um, it was just huge I'm
2: fascinated huge. to hear you talk about 1999 in this way because uh, I should make the point that Mark Ramprakash um, defected if that's the right word from Middlesex to Surrey in 2001 but both Mark and Alex Stewart have been uh, the subject of my sporting life over the past 18 months and oddly enough when I listened back to the shows in preparation for this they both thought the 2002 team was the best well Ramps would say that wouldn't he
3: uh, yeah yeah go um, ahead yeah, he has to he was in it yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah yeah i don't know i think the 99 side was the best side um we won that championship with um with games to spare um, we had everything there i mean also you know I always probably feel that because my brother was there as well so yeah I'm gonna be biased
2: well look I mean we we will talk about 2002 in more depth actually because in in the next section of the show because of the the significance of it uh, regarding and what happened with your brother Ben Um, but uh, I just want to throw that in that uh, there are people who were there who for different reasons love that 2002 team Um, And as you say Ben was with you when you won it in 99 and and that brings that extra uh, strength of feeling for you what about um in the one day cricket we heard about the benson hedges victory in 97 you won it again in 01 and memorably won the first ever 2020 tournament in 2003 i mean was that a big thing because of course now it's huge 2020 cricket all over the world in fact it's dominating the game
3: isn't it i think at the time in the first few games of the actual that campaign we just, i mean we, and before we came out to play the first we thought it was a joke so are you serious we're playing 20 over cricket this is rubbish um you know and that sounds funny to hear someone say that now but literally that was what it was like um um and we just i think our thinking about the game was just a little bit ahead of the other sides um no one had really quite worked it out yet so i think we just got the jump on a few people tactically and um i think we didn't lose a game until the final of the 2004 so we were like 17 games or whatever it was undefeated so um yeah we you know we caught the jump on everyone and I mean, now it's obviously everyone knows every possible tactic that there is to do it, and the game's moved on a lot. But back then, everyone was still trying to work the game out, so... um we just worked it out a little quicker than everybody else i think um we we we, we talk about uh, how big it's
2: become is, is that a surprise to you though i mean um as you say it started out i remember going to see the very very first games of it um while working for for the bbc but and uh, it, it appeared a bit of a novelty are you surprised that it's become so so popular with people
3: um well, I, I wasn't I, at first i was i was surprised it became so um so popular but But then what we did was like after, um, you know, the first two or three games, it was, hey, this is good stuff. You know, this is exciting. It's short. It sort of fits in with, you know, the length of a movie or a bit longer than a game of football. It's sort of, it was short, exciting. I remember more sort of the moment when I realized how good it was, was when I went back to four day cricket and we just played this bang, like, wallop-type game and went back, and I remember Martin Bicknell ran up the first over of a four-day game and bowled six balls just outside off stump. Yeah. (laughs) This is is rubbish. (laughs) So, um, you know, this... um, You know, it, it was... It was good stuff. So, you know, the I, funny thing I, pretty is, pretty quickly I worked out it was good. Much
2: as I love um, Test cricket in particular, it's funny that the public have kind of voted with their feet on this matter, haven't they? To some extent, let me ask you one more question about this domination that Surrey enjoyed um, in many ways. And people have often have referred to them. It's it's a very, um, as you say, a very progressive club. It's a club that's always traditionally had plenty of money. People talk about it being the Manchester United. Of um, of English cricket during this time when the uh, the, uh, the team with the brown caps were winning absolutely everything, um, did you uh, did you get sense much resentment from the other other parts of cricket with the cricket world?
3: You know, um, funny, it's a good question because um, early nineties and mid nineties we were hated and rightly so. We were you know we were cocky, arrogant, all those things that nobody really likes, and we had no right to be. We hadn't won anything. Um, I remember when we started winning. And I expected, wow, they're really going to hate us now. It just shows that there's so many good people in in cricket. Because all of a sudden, people started coming and saying, you know what, you guys aren't so bad. And I can solely put that down to, well, you know, we've earned our our respect now. We didn't, we were carrying on like we deserved the respect in the mid-90s. And we didn't, we hadn't won anything. We were carrying on walking around like we were the best side in the league. And we weren't i think no one had a problem with it you know once we actually started winning and we still carry on like walking around like we were that good <laughs> but we'd actually won a few things and people said okay well you know you've earned that so uh, i didn't feel that resentment no and i think we um and i was that sort of made me happy and and with the cricket community as a whole i think that's a nice thing about them. They're, acknowledge it if you deserve it and if you don't and you're carrying on then they don't want to you know they'll let you know about that too
2: i mean adam we we uh we're about halfway through the show now and in the next part the next half of the show we're going to hear about some things that have happened to you in your personal life and your business life um that mean that your life has been something of, a, of an emotional and uh, in other ways a, a roller coaster but just to to bring us to an end for this first half of the show when you look back now on, the, on your Surrey career, with all that we've talked about and virtually no um, downs, wh- how, wh- how would you sum up? How do you look back on that
3: time um, at the Oval? Um, it's the, um, the strongest memories that I have. Um, and people always say to me, I've got no memorabilia up in my house. I've got no anything to, to signify that I actually played for Surrey. And people are like, why is that? I said, well, those memories are so powerful and they're so strong and so good. If I spend all my time thinking about those, then I'll just become a prisoner of my past and I'm just going to be living in the past. So it's so strong that I've just tried to totally like put it out of my mind. And it's nice on occasions like this when I can actually yes. relive it and, and remember it.
1: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
2: Um, we've been hearing about your triumphs um, with that great Surrey team of uh, ten years ago, but on the twenty-third of March in two thousand and two, um, your world, I guess, and that of your family, was turned upside down And the tragedy when your your brother Ben, who we've heard so much about and um, was such a talented, talented cricketer, um, was killed in a car accident in, in your native Australia. Tell us about the, about the day and and what happened, uh, Adam.
3: Oh, so. Um we were um we were basically um going out for dinner um that night my whole family my mother my father um my sister the whole lot of us and um it was uh it was something we always did before coming back to um england i think we were meant to fly back a day or the next day or the day before so we always took my mum and dad out for dinner before we um before we came back and um we're out for dinner and we finished the night and um he just went off in his car one direction and I went the other direction and we only probably lived a kilometer apart. And, um, and then about 45 minutes later or an hour later, I had a phone call from my father and I thought, wow, that's strange, you know, cause he's ringing my mobile. Mm-hmm. He should be home by now. And he rang and he, um, you know, he said, Oh, I've got something, you know, it's been a terrible accident. And I was thinking in my mind at my time, slow slowed down. And I was thinking, well, oh, it, i knew I could hear he was talking on the phone and i knew he was in the car with Mum. so i was thinking they've had an accident and something's happened to my Mum. do you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. what was going on in my mind and then he said ben's dead and i was like what what no no i didn't. and just i couldn't i just couldn't comprehend it so um he's like oh you know and just and you know just time stood still it was like i just couldn't I just couldn't grasp what he was telling me. I I mean, I I take it...
2: Sorry to interrupt, but I I I take it that your father was in shock himself because is it strange to ring you up on the phone to say this?
3: Well, the thing was, it was literally, I think, because he thought... I think he thought there was something I could do. Um, I guess at that stage he's in shock, and he rang me up, and it was only, like, literally a kilometre from where I was, so I guess he wanted me to come down there or... um, I don't know what... I mean, look, I, I, I didn't think clearly for two months, so I can't imagine that he would have been thinking clearly at that particular time, but certainly, like, nothing I can do, but, um, I guess he wanted me to come down there, so, um, and we literally, my wife was seven months pregnant at the time, and, um, I said, you know, look, you know, Ben's died in a car accident, you know, and she was like, what, like, um, and we drove down there it seemed to take about two hours to go like one kilometer and i told her she had to drive because i was just i Mm -hmm. could just feel i was in no no state to drive and we got down there and um and they'd already taken him away and um and then there was just me my and my family all there together it was just um just yeah just 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 devastation just complete devastation and and you know that was the moment that my my life changed. Really, it was just like uh, well, obviously from that moment it was never going to be the same. I mean, you know,
2: I, 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 nothing. I, I I met your brother once on a for several hours when we did a TV show together because he was so young, um, a very handsome uh, lad and a brilliant you know, sportsman and full of full of life and vitality. And as you say, the suddenness of this. When you say your life changed, tell us how it's affected uh, your life, uh, Adam.
3: Oh well, well. Yeah. <laughs> It's just uh, to put it in a nutshell, it's like um, it took me a while to work this out, how to move on and how to sort of carry on with life without basically um, just, you know, just curling up in a ball and dying because it's just what I felt like doing. Um, It was I just said, well, you know, life's just not going to be the same anymore. Life just it's just I've experienced my happiest moment. Before now and now, that doesn't mean I can't be happy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I might only ever achieve 95% happiness now. From you know, but I've had my happiest moment, and I've got to make do with um, the best with what's going to come in the future, and that's okay. You don't, you know, I've had the happiest moments in my life when he was he was around. So, um, and, and you know, now it took me five years, and you know, really, um, just yeah, you know, I'm a you know, I put on a, a brave face when I was playing for Surrey, when I came back and. Um, you know, my father. You know, I was gonna. I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to play anymore. I just wanted to just just be left alone. You know, and uh, my dad. Who, you know, he's a tough guy. He said, you know, you got to go back. I lost one son. You know, we can't we can't let this defeat our family. So that was the only thing that sort of really made me go back and and start playing cricket again. I mean,
2: I, I hope um, I hope this doesn't sound too crass. I mean, of course, you say mm. um, your your wife was um, seven months pregnant. And of course, you stayed in Australia. For the birth of your first child, Benaya, I mean, what an—I don't want to say—did did, did, did add, what happened to Ben? Did it spoil the, the birth of your first child? But that is a tremendous mix-up of emotions, all happening at the
3: same time. It, oh, mate, it was—it's um, it, a blur. Um, and then, you know, what hasn't really been publicised is that she was born, and and there was massive difficulties with the childbirth, and we almost lost her. Uh, she was in intensive care for the first week, so. It was like, oh, you know what? Have, you know what? What's going on? Like, it's just I just felt like my world was just the um, rug had been pulled from under me. It was like, this someone's just like just out here to ruin my life. So uh, there was so many things to going on there, and it was like, um, you know, now I look back on 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 them and and you know, I, I, my daughter, she's beautiful. You know, I, you know, uh, as all my kids are, but. Um, I think that time, when I do think back on it, I, I think you're probably right. It probably does. Uh, it's not a happy time when I think back on. You know, she's in intensive care. My brother had just died. I mean, how could you? How could you be happy? It wasn't just your, your regulation birth where everyone's um no, no, partying and celebrating. So I guess it was ruined a little bit. Yeah. Uh,
2: you you say your, da- your your dad was instrumental in getting you to come back. Um, you know, a couple of months into the 2002 season here. Um, and we'll talk about the cricket in just a second. What was it like when you came back to England and back to the Surrey dressing room, given all that had happened? Because of course it was enormous news in this country.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, there was you know the the Surrey guys were you know they were they were fantastic. They um, you know guys regularly called me up, let me know what was going on, and um, you know they kept me informed with with how we were going, and you know I, they, they, you know the, some of those guys are they're not my teammates they're my my family do you know what I mean so um these things can only either bring you closer or push you apart and some of the guys in those team in that team are are special human beings and um literally they did become family we became family at that particular moment so um yeah just 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 again bizarre um emotions around that time
2: I mean it's interesting um that you should say that because uh one of the most influential books to come out of cricket in recent years was Marcus Triscotic's book about how difficult he found the locker room environment of the cr- cricket dressing room, you know, very male. Um, he found he said he found it very hard for anyone to, to understand real feelings and all the rest of it because it was all just about the cricket and uh, taking the mickey out of each other. But clearly, um, uh, this was not your
3: experience. Oh, look, you know, I, change rooms are made up of com- completely different people, um... But I did get a lot of comfort from a number of the guys in the team and um, and you know I'll remember that forever I'll remember I'll forever till the day I die I'll never forget those those people that were there for me I never asked for any help I never I never cried I never like cried out for help or anything but they were there they were just you know and they never pushed it upon me but I just knew they were there so um, to me the the changing environment is the best moments that's the that's what you live for I mean Uh, If someone says to me, do you miss playing cricket? I'm like, "Nah, not really. I miss 10.30 till 11 o'clock. So that we started at 11 and between 10.30, we finished warming up. We got half an hour. They're the best half an hour every day. We just like walk around, um, just taking the piss out of each other that's that to me was the highlight of my day so um i I love that i thrive on that environment for me it's great
2: and i I mean again i'm not a psychologist i've got no pretense to be a psychologist um so i don't know whether it's because of what happened to to ben in spite of what happened to ben and or neither of those but you actually were in brilliant form when you came back and you you scored lots and lots of runs including your your first double hundred
3: yeah yeah again i i mean i've spoken to people so psychologist since and what have you and they say that it's not uncommon for uh, that sort of thing to happen it was you know it was the best form i ever was in my life and i think it was because um i didn't care i really did not care it was i went out there and it was like you know what i had no fear of getting out i had no fear of failure because well, what can be worse than losing your, your brother or um so i just went out and just just played and I was like, if I got out, I got out. But inevitably, I didn't because I wasn't worried about it, which is one of the <laughs> of biggest limiting factors on sports people. So uh, if you could bottle that that frame of mind up and, and take it around with you, you would, but you, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. So. Uh, yeah.
2: And my uh, last question about this, if I may, Adam, and uh, because I'm I'm interested because of a situation I've never had to deal with. Um, I'm sure you think about your brother every day and many times every day, but... Uh, the uh it took you five years to come to terms with it. um how
3: have your feelings about all of what happened changed? do you think or have they changed you um Well, I think what changed is and for five years I was like I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm just dealing with it you know what I mean but every time I thought of my brother, I thought of the half an hour of him dying and I thought I've lost him and I thought of going forward in life without him um and probably five years ago because it's been ten years now i um just one day I was just like you know what I started laughing about the things that we did do and I wasn't focusing on that half hour when we lost him and going forward without him I just literally looked back and enjoyed the times that we did have together and um, once I did that that really changed uh, enabled me to just sort of get on and um, enjoy my life and then the times when I did think about him I had a big smile on my face because I laughed about the amazing things that we did do together. So, um, yeah, that was probably... I don't know what triggered it or, or how it happened. If I did, I'd be a millionaire because I'd be able to write a book about it, but just something happened, and one day it was just different.
2: Adam, um, after winning the title again for the third time with Surrey in 2002 um, and making yourself the most successful captain in English cricket by a, by a million miles, I guess, to say, um, for, for, and for a and for quarter of a century, you gave up the captaincy in 2003. Why did you decide to do that?
3: Um... Oh, between, I guess we've never really talked about this before, and sort of never at the time we just you know, we pl- we towed the party line with um, with the media and stuff like that. But uh, I, I wasn't happy with the way I was I was leading the team. Um, I wasn't happy with my attitude. Um, I was pretty much um, wasn't putting the work in in training. I was just going out playing. I felt I was setting a bad example to the young players who then came on and thought you saw me just i'd go out and drinking and then come out the next day and play and i was leading a pretty um carefree life and i didn't feel i was the best person to to be leading the side and um and i thought it was best that i could still impart my influence on a new captain and, and try and whoever they chose to be captain to just try and help them um, blend in for that next year.
2: I mean, a, a, obvious question: the drinking and the uh, the not quite uh, training at, 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 at you know the very top of your game. Um, is this is this because you're trying to deal with what happened to your brother?
3: Um, I, I, yeah, I would say it's definitely a result of that because um, I wasn't like that before. Um, so it'd be a massive coincidence. It was pretty much a, like. I was I would decided in my mind that I was just going to try and live every moment that I had and just give it have give it my best so when I went out of a night time I went out and I gave it my best it was like I had fun I was just doing what I want I was like you know I was in my mind I think I could die at any moment I mean because when it happens to someone so close to you I guess you feel quite fallible yourself so wow. um yeah I was um I'll just go out there just, just living pretty reckless and and sometimes i wouldn't even warm up for games and that was a really bad example i mean there's more to being a professional sportsman than just turning up and and playing the games and you know although we were being successful i think night 2003 was our most successful season ever um in terms of games one etc it was like i knew it was a bad example that i was setting and um Okay. And I had to get out of there.
2: Yeah, as you say, they finished third in the in the championship. Uh, sorry, and you won the first 2020, sure, which we already talked about. And the following year, in 2004, you also finished third. Um, at the end of that season, and you're not an old man, you decide to retire completely. Why did you do that? Um,
3: I, I was still trying to deal with with my brother dying. Um, you know, I, I've sort of always towed the party line, and I've always. Um, said Oh no, I'm fine. I'm dealing with it and I've just got to get on with and so it told everybody what they wanted to hear But you know my life it was I wasn't enjoying it um, I knew that my family was my parents and my sister were battling back in Australia emotionally and um, I decided I wanted to come back and be with them and uh, You know I was 32. I was probably in the peak of my career at that particular time I was playing the best cricket I'd ever played um, so um, it's just a decision that, that I made that my family was more important than, than my career at that, at that particular time.
2: Do you regret retiring so early?
3: Um, do I think I should have? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, it, it's a fair question, really fair question. Um, um, I, I sometimes now I think, well, I could have achieved so much more, but uh, no, I don't because at that particular moment, you can only go at the time with this, you know, I feel okay now. Back then, I didn't feel okay. So, yeah. if I was sitting here today, I feel good. So, I think, oh, I could go out and play now. Do you know what I mean? I physically feel like I could go out and do it now. That's, um, but um, back then, I, I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling happy, and I wanted to be with my family. So, um, you know, that's the decision at the time was 100% right. Well,
2: let me just say that uh, that brings to the end in uh, one or two more games we may talk about later on. But that brings to an end one of the more remarkable county cricket careers. Um, And although we've been talking about some very sad things, um, I think we should reflect now on just what a great time it was uh, for Surrey County Cricket Club with you at the helm. And to help us do that, we're joined by one of the people who shared those glory days, uh, your friend and the former uh, England fast bowler, Alex Tudor. Good evening, Alex. Good evening, Danny. How are you? Very, very good indeed. Say hello to say hello to Adam. Skipper, how are you?
3: Hey <laughs> Jude. How are you going, big man? Yeah,
2: not
0: too bad, buddy. Not too bad. Nice to hear your voice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, t- tell us about tell us about those uh, the, those those great days in that Surrey dressing room and and the, and the things that the team achieved. Because I was just being saying to Adam, I don't see them uh, ever being dominated like that again in this cricket.
0: No, I mean I was very fortunate indeed to to step into the that change room and have the vast of experience that was that was in there. I mean Adam Adam Ollio, Alex Stewart, Graham Thorpe, Mark Butcher. I mean the names, and then Mark Ramprakash came from Middlesex. I mean the names are endless. Martin Bignall, Ali Brown. I mean I think there was 14 internationals at one stage. Um, so for a young guy like me, and you know Ben, um, you know we we, we we stepped into the ranks and we were just guided extremely well we had a wealth of experience to um to lean on and uh you know it was a great era where everything just clicked together and adam at the helm um i mean what a leader he was and people always ask me you know um who was the best captain that you've played under and for me personally it was always adam um he he was just he was just a an individual that he would never ask you to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself and you would run for a brick wall for him um, and it was just phenomenal how he was able to deal with the personalities of for one that was in a change room because you know there's some definite personalities in the in the
2: change well, room. Well, Alex he's a personality himself how did he go about doing that?
0: Um, well you know um, Adam uh, as people would know he's a he's a very strong individual and he, he's, he's certainly an individual that you wouldn't want to mess with and when Adam spoke you certainly listened and uh, as I said he led from the front and if he wanted something doing, he generally did it himself But then he would ask on other people to to go with him. Um, And we we certainly did that. And the era we had there, well, you know, we won three championships in the Sunday League, the first... 2020, and it was just unbelievable to be a part of that, and it was a great time for the
2: Sonny Cricket Club. Now, I must say, and I'm happy to take views from either of you on this, um, I work here at TalkSport with Darren Gough, um, and uh, he said that uh, there was an incident between the two of you, it was only horseplay. Um, is, is this right, uh, uh, that Adam has actually knocked you out, Alex, or is that just something that Goff has made up?
0: No, no, no! It's, um, it, it does. It does get um, sort of as you can imagine, Danny. It, it, it,
3: the truth does sometimes get in the way of a good story. Um, right? Basically, basically, it does get talked up. Yeah,
0: it does get Is, talked up and uh, people talk about it. Yeah, in, see, it, Adam, Adam did put me on the floor. Um, basically, um, Adam, as we all know, he loves his boxing. Yeah. And now he, he's his mixed martial arts. And um, in the winter, I myself and Ben used to go with Adam, and we used to go and train and do our boxing. So. You know, like we were. I was okay. I wasn't no. You know, I was no David Hay or anything like that. But I was okay. And and,
3: and he was it good, was man. Rain. He had some talent. <laughs> I
0: was all right. And Adam and Adam. Um, it was raining, and uh, we went down into the gym and we had a little bit of a spa. Uh, Keith Medlicott, Alex Stewart um, were also there, and we did a little bit. But I was the only one where Adam said, "Right, we'll we'll do headshots as well." The, oh. others, were, uh, the others were. a little bit like pansies, and they were like, "No, no, yeah,
3: just shy. <laughs>
0: yeah real
3: big on so, choice the other the other the other guys would be always like saying, "Oh, we'll spar, but they could hit me, but I would never be able to hit them back. Yeah, so correct. it turned correct. into like a bit of a firing line, but Tudes was had the ability and <laughs> and he was a big dude as well, so it was like, <laughs> okay, well, and we'd actually he hasn't what he's failed to tell you is we we went and did a a boxing session where he forgot a mouth guard. Um, so I couldn't hit him in the head in one earlier and he actually gave me a bit of a lesson. He schooled me a bit and he dined out, he dined out on it for a little oh, while. Oh yeah, he, he would, he would, dined yeah. out. So, <laughs> so, um, and then I think I might've been a little bit more enthusiastic when we got back the, um, the second time for the rematch. Yeah. And, um, and it wasn't meant to go the way it went, but basically it just landed a good right shot on that, that chin of his. It,
0: it was, I actually thought and, I slipped, Danny. It was It was one of those weird <laughs> ones. I've never, I've never, I've never been knocked out ever. And it was one of those ones I thought I actually slipped. But then as I got up, I thought, yeah, I don't feel too good. I'm uh, a little bit groggy. I've got, to, and, um, I've got to
2: tell you now, Alex, the, the way the way Goff tells it now, oh, you were unconscious God. before you hit the floor. No. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: no, no. yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Darren will had it. Yeah,
2: there's no surprise there. I, I
0: said, I
3: that's the way it works Danny. on radio.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said, look... talks the story out. If... All the guys that talk it up, I've always said. Listen, you know, I've got a pair of gloves and all that. If we want to have a try and have a little, have a little mix around, I'm, I'm up for it. But they never, they never do want to do it. So uh, there you go. Alex, so, fun, uh, funny uh, sorry, thing Adam, was,
3: fun, yeah. funny, funny thing was, when we used to go out um, and when I was playing ring, we used to um, if people came up and started pestering me when I was. I'm um, playing for England. We used to tell them that Tude was my bodyguard. So um, <laughs> you know, people used to, we used to like. He's obviously a massive guy. Tude, he's six foot six, big boy. So yeah, I wouldn't fight um, him. People used to come up. And, yeah, so um, <laughs> people were. um People used to run away when they thought, oh, I'm not going to mess with Adam. He's got his bodyguard with him.
2: <laughs> Alex, it's been a pleasure. Sorry, yeah, an absolute pleasure to hear from you. Could, you. could you just sum up then what you think, in all seriousness, apart, apart from the occasional black eye, um, what, what you think the contribution um, that Adam Holyoke made to that historic Surrey team was?
0: Oh, absolutely monumental, Danny. I mean, it went through a long time without winning, you know, Alex Stewart debuted in 81 or whatever it was, never won a a championship. And then some young guys and and then Adam came along at the helm and then all of a sudden, you know, two in a row and we won three out in four years. And it was just great what he did there was a lot of you know international players going off and then he had a lot of uh, stuff to deal with you know other personnels coming in so for him to be able to handle that and it's for me arguably the biggest club in county cricket and, and and he held it and he dealt with it all so well and you've got a lot of um committee members and you know he he spoke from the heart he never dodged any questions he told it how it was um certain people might not have liked that but we as players um loved it, we loved the honesty and we're forever grateful for what he's given our club and uh, we hope that uh, maybe Graham Smith may be able to do the same in, in years to come.
2: We, we shall see Alex. Absolutely brilliant torture talk to you and thank you very much for giving us some insight into the way um, Adam Holyoke helped transform Surrey.
0: Thanks very much, Danny, and uh, have cheers, a have a cheers, good cheers. rest of your show. No problem,
2: Skipper. Thank you. I'll, I'll pay. I'll pay you later for that, Chud. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <mate>. <laughs> and, <laughs> take care, buddy. Um, when most cricketers retire from the sport, they tend to spend their time playing golf or propping up um, the lounge bar of a of a nice uh, nice hostelry somewhere in the counties. Um, in recent times, you've been doing exactly the opposite. I mean, we heard from Alex too, that you're a pretty handy with your fists, but you've been doing and let's be fair—you're not a—you're not a teenager anymore. You've been doing both boxing and mixed martial arts. How on earth did you get involved in those?
3: Yeah, well, it's a—it's—it's it's a, I mean, it sounds very strange to people who don't know me. Um, obviously, people have seen me out there with my cricket whites on and you know, captaining England and speaking all nicely. But um, I actually like grew up like I told you earlier, like in Ballarat, and I have fighting every day there, um, and then when I came to England I actually went down and I used to sneak out of boarding school to um to go to working amateur boxing club. And um I just developed a love for the game back then and um I've sort of carried that on throughout my whole um career. I'd always during the off season I'd always box and train and it was only when I um uh, got here onto the Gold Coast that I went down to the um to the Matrix boxing gym here and I went down and, and bumped into Stephen N G and um and we've developed a very close friendship and he um I was having some weight issues, I'd broken my ankle, I'd discovered red wine, and with red wine goes food. I'd stacked on heaps of weight, and I went down there, and I was actually doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right. which is basically a form of wrestling. And um, he came in one day to, I turned up to the wrong class, and it was the mixed martial arts class. And um, he was teaching striking, because he's a professional boxer and professional mixed martial artist himself. And, um, the next thing he was, um, he was helping me get some weight off and, and, um, one day one of the guys didn't turn up some sparring and, um, he just threw me in there and I went pretty well. And he was like, wow, you know, you go all right. You, um, he organized a celebrity fight for me out here Uh and, um, I I had that and, um, basically I was probably, I did fairly well in that. And then, um, this, the, he said, well, have you ever considered fighting professionally? Because I think you can you can do it. So um, the situation arose that um, I had an opportunity to take a professional fight and uh, I, I took that fight and, and won by TKO. Um, and the next minute I was being offered to fight because jiu-jitsu is probably one of the foundations of mixed martial arts Yeah. and with my boxing. So um, next minute I was fighting in mixed martial arts and uh, as well. So... Um, and it sort of coincided with um, a few financial woes, and yeah, you know, well, we're we'll talking that, about that. that,
2: that we talk about we're going to talk later in the show about um about the f- financial things that have happened to you and uh, and so you know, people might say you're doing this uh, for the money but you're doing it because you've got to make a living i understand that but this is a real professional boxing proper uh, mixed martial arts in one of those um wiry cages and all the rest of it <laughs> we're going to hear from your coach yeah. Steven, in just a second i'm going to ask you a pretty straightforward question here adam because you've been describing yourself for those of us you know i'm a big chap and all the rest of it but i i i, I would never want to be fighting anybody ever in my life that i can remember. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, straightforward question. Do you you, you just like fighting, don't you? I, I,
3: without trying to sound like a thug, because I'm not. No, no,
2: guy, no, 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 about. no. Is it, is I,
3: it, I, I do. I I love I love the art of um, of combat. I do. I, I love it. I think I love competing. If we played table tennis, I will battle. I, I have no shame in saying that I'm very competitive. But
2: nobody's going to gonna me, bash you around com- the head when you're playing table tennis. That's the difference, isn't it?
3: that's that's true that's the downside of of professional boxing but it is the ultimate sport for competing in and um and i just love competing i love it and um uh, i don't have this i don't have physical fear um i fear of losing um but i don't i'm not really scared of being hurt so um just that and a few other sort of physical attributes i've got sort of lend me to be able to step into that arena um, fairly, fairly easily. Okay, well, well yeah, let's. I'm not saying it's easy, but
2: <laughs> well, it's remarkable. I don't know how easy it is it. I know it's remarkable. Um, um, and let's hear from the now from the gentleman who has been uh, instrumental in you both being a professional boxer and a professional mixed martial artist. You call him Stephen Ng. I'm going to make a, a, a hopeless attempt at his actual sh- surname. It's a very good uh, evening to Stephen. Ng. Hello, Stephen. Hey, how you going, mate? Very, very good
1: indeed. You do very, very well. Oh, you do very well with the surname too. Spot on.
2: I've been coached. I've been coached that's by I Adam. Him. Yeah.
1: Oh, you've been coached. Nice work. <laughs> uh,
2: listen, uh, t- tell us about. Tell us what kind of shape Adam was in when you got hold of him, Stephen. Don't.
1: <laughs> um, oh yeah. Look, I'm. I'm sure. He's, I'm sure he's gone through with you already. But um, yeah, he was a little bit overweight and um, obviously not not feeling the best about himself when he walked through the gym um, because of a few injuries and. Uh, yeah, look, uh, I'm not sure the exact weight um, it was about 110 or something like that, Adam.
3: Yeah, 110 yeah. kegs, yeah, like yeah.
2: And Stephen, yeah, what, 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 like what did you see in him as as a person or as a physical being that made you think I can train this guy and and we can get him up to a good standard?
1: Yeah, look, to be honest, um, the first time I met him in that MMA class, I I didn't know who he was in regards to his cricketing background. Um, I'm not a massive uh, fan of cricket. Uh, myself, I've watched a little bit of it over the years, um, so I just really saw him as a, you know, I, I suppose a middle aged guy coming to an MMA class and um, doing some striking with me and straight away I could tell that he'd would done a little bit before and I sort of said, oh what's your background which, which he said he'd done a little bit of boxing and then a bit of Jiu Jitsu here and there and it was pretty brief, uh, you know, that first session and just saw him here and there at the gym at a few different classes and got talking to him and um, you know and uh, the name started to ring a little bit of a bell and yeah. I sort of asked, you know who, who, who is this Adam Hollyo oh, yeah, guy and um, sort of background on him then so but you know the attributes he, he shows in cricket are, are all um, just as uh, good for boxing you know he had good eyes um, very good judge of his distance um, which I suppose goes with the, the cricket ball and, and the whole coordination of your hands and your eyes and feet together um, so yeah, it wasn't a real hard conversion um, over, you know, especially for an elite athlete like Adam, who's played at the highest level. You know, he knows how to train hard, he knows how to work through injuries and pain and all that kind of stuff.
2: Stephen, let me ask you this. I mean, of course, I don't suppose Adam would have swapped his cricket career and his amazing achievements um, with Surrey and England. Um, do you wish you could have got hold of the 20-year-old Hollyoak? Uh, you
1: know, without question. Uh, uh, if you're starting at that age, you, you certainly can uh, achieve a little bit better. Um, you know, being 40 and starting a professional boxing career puts you behind the eight ball. Um, but, you know, he's not doing it to be a world champion. He's doing it for his own personal reasons. And, of course, if I'd have got Adam at, at the age of 20, um, I would have only been about eight myself. But, no. <laughs> you know, to yeah, get him at the age of 20, he, uh, <laughs> he would have been um, definitely a, a force to be reckoned with uh, in my opinion.
3: Uh, well, listen. He's talking it up. He's not actually that young, mate. He's no, actually no. like only a couple of years younger than me. He's he's just making himself sound good oh, on mate. my radio.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, oh, it is it, very good to talk to you, Stephen. Thank you very much for joining us here on my sporting life. That's Stephen Ng. Stephen, there's my training again. Um, who's helped um, Adam become a martial, a mixed martial artist? And we're only cutting him off there because the line's not so absolutely brilliant. Adam, are you going to carry this on?
3: Well, we've um, you know we've, we had a good chat about this, um, Stephen and I, and um and and i've been you know just basically going out there and just fighting um any guy who who rocked up you know like 20 odd year old guys and uh and we talked about it and we said you know um you know we'll, if, if we're going to do this let's fight some you know some some proper fighters and and see if there's some big fights out there you know i would love to come over in england and fight um i you know I believe that um i can um I can you know I can fight well um you know, and i okay, I know I probably haven't got i'm not gonna look this isn't gonna be something i'm gonna be able to do forever because no eventually it, you know age is gonna catch up with me, but um at the moment i'm i'm you know I'm fit, i feel good and um and I love fighting so um I think that people look at me like I'm weird and and stuff like that but you know it's what I love you know other people like golf and I think mate you know what golf's for people who can't fight it's like it's just I just don't like that game so I don't look at people I'm not, I don't judge people that way it's just what I like doing uh, well, it's just that it's a bit strange not many people like that
2: well it's a strange because a handbrake turn in sports and because with all due respect and because of your age let me ask you the other person you, you must have con- uh, spoken to about it other than Stephen that's your your missus um, Sharon what does uh, mm. what does she make of it
3: well at first you wasn't happy about the boxing um but then she saw me fight and you know i won my first few fights by knockouts and and obviously you can tell when um that i know what i'm doing so i think she realized early doors and that that i wasn't gonna i wasn't making a complete idiot of myself so i think that was a first concern and, and it's kind of like anything then when all of a sudden they were locking me in a cage and i had the you know basically little four ounce gloves on there and um we were just basically just me and this other guy just trying to kill each other i think then she thought boxing's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> so she she doesn't like the cage fighting she really doesn't and um you know but um she she's actually quite i think she thinks now the boxing is, is is good because you know, she sees that i know what i'm doing and and she's comfortable with that She. i don't think she's ever gonna um get over the cage fighting thing but she's also you know she's a beautiful woman she um you know, she says, you know, she always said, like, she married me because I'm a free spirit. And she said, if she cages me, then, you know, no pun intended, but if she cages me, that's not, um, you know, she'd be doing a disservice to me because she knows I'm just a free spirit, so... She doesn't try and do that.
2: One of the reasons, I guess, that you've had to uh, have a handbrake turn is that there's been a, a very pub- highly publicised financial and business interests of yours have gone very, very badly wrong. Ending up with you in court to being declared bankrupt with reported debts of 14 million pounds. What, what I mean, as a property empire, as I understand it, or a property business, What's, what went wrong, Adam?
3: Oh, the whole lot um, well it was actually a very successful business um, uh, me and my father and my brother set it up back in um, 1999 and obviously to have um, got ourselves into debt so large um, you know that shows the, the scope of how large the um, company was and how well mm-hmm. it was doing um, um, it just, I think it was a, a mixture of um, business naivety uh, on my behalf Um and also um, just the timing with the GFC you know there was we were you know there were bigger people than us went down you know Lehman Brothers and I think Lady Gaga went down it was like I think you know there was much bigger people than us that got caught up in that so um, yeah I mean mean, in the media I mean they, they would try and talk it up and say there was court battles I never ever once tried to fight any of those things it was it was just um, it was just unfortunate that the GFC caught us out. And um, sorry, you know, what do you mean the GFC? The the global financial that,
2: crash? Global is that it? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, Thank I think
3: you. that's obviously that's what they refer to it as yeah. over here. Sorry, I didn't you know forget that we we're over there. So um, yeah, that that global financial crash. Is just and it caught a lot of people out. Just um, you know for us, it just uh, it was appalling timing. We had five developments which were just finishing, we were literally months away from finishing. So our borrowing was at its highest it as the development was and the and uh and the financial crisis came and um uh the next minute the banks were asking us to put more money in um which we did and then you know as as i'm sure you guys are all aware with these things they come down like a deck of cards so yeah um which is exactly what uh which happened with us it was um and you know at the time it was quite it was really disturbing because it's the first thing i've ever been involved in which um hasn't been successful I mean, you know, my brother dying obviously sure, sure. You nothing know, we can do about that, but um, you know, that's uh it's a, for me it was quite a, a soul searching time. I was like, unsuccessful at something, and I'd always been highly successful at um things in the past, and um you know my ego took a, a massive hit, and I, you know, I'm I'm a proud guy, it's um um so it, it hurt quite a lot. Um, uh,
2: I mean, uh, just to, there are t- to me there are two things um we'll talk about where it's left you personally. Um, but also, I mean, you, you owed uh, lots of people because, I mean, it was all played out very publicly because you were asked to account for your lifestyle and, and the, who who, the, who your creditors were and all the rest of it in the court case. Mm. And it turned out that people like Alex Stewart, you know, I know who is a friend and longtime colleague of yours, um,
3: has mm. lost a load of money in it. It must be very hard to deal with this personally, isn't it? Oh, mate, massive. I mean, these guys, a lot of, basically everybody who invested was a close friend of mine apart from one person and he was... Um, the individual who sort of um, pursued this um, and those guys had all made money over the years, mm-hmm. and, um, so it was. I think it was probably easier for them to to stomach. Um, and you know, um, this this individual was the first time he invested, and and rightly so, he was pretty upset. But you know, we're all taking risks in it, and um, you know, if you really want to be safe with your money, then put it in the bank. So um, these guys, Alec, you know, he invested money which he knew was um you know it was he knew the risks involved and there were good returns so um yeah, it's just it was just one of those things that it was unfortunate that one individual decided that um he wasn't going to let us work our way out of it and all the others were prepared to but um that's just the way it planned out you know um it's a bizarre decision by him but you know i guess for me it was um it, it was it, it was it was just very strange the the, the way it went down and um, we, just, we just have to move on. You know, I mean, it's like you, you, it, come, it's, go on, sorry. It's 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 you know it's uh, it's just given all any like life is um, you know full of highs and lows and the only way to when you get in a low is look at it as an opportunity to come back. I'll come back every time. Like every time I've been down, I always come back. So well, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the opportunity to. To um, to fight back, I, I love a fight. I love a scrap, as I've alluded to mm-hmm. earlier. So this to me, it's just it's a fantastic opportunity to get myself back on my feet and try and and repay those people who've stuck by me.
2: Well, the company was liquidated in September 2010. As you say, there's been a court case since. I mean, your own personal circumstances, I think have changed dramatically. I, mean, I presume you were living um, a reasonably high life um, uh, as befits a successful businessman. And I don't suppose things are the same now.
3: It's funny you should say that. That's the thing that people presume. I mean, look, we were very, very wealthy. Um, we were, you know, very successful. But just because of that, doesn't. I wasn't getting around in private jets. I was still driving, you know, a very basic car and living in a very humble abode. I've never, I'm not a a guy who like I said I alluded to earlier I grew up in a caravan I, I don't need a big house I don't need a fast car um, I don't I don't I don't have desires I'm fortunate that I don't have desires for those things Do, I mean would I prefer it than not have it absolutely but it does not it doesn't it's not the thing which makes me tick it's challenges it's um, charity it's um, it's competing which that's the things which really get me excited if someone took those away from me I may as well die Um, but money, money, like seriously, my car goes, I reckon about 20 or 30 Ks an hour slower. Um, my house is a little bit smaller. My kids, they love me. My wife loves me. Everything's good. It's like... In, in, in everything's in perspective, I mean, after losing my brother, this is this is nothing, it really is.
2: I must, um, you may, I laughed out loud when I was doing uh, what, what laughingly passes for research for this program. There's a quote attributed yeah. to you about your present predicament um, and your relationship yeah. with Sharon, your wife, who you referred to there. And this is what you're supposed to have said when we married, I was captain of England, good looking, plenty of money, not a care in the world. Now she's married to a fat old guy, not good looking anymore, and no money. <laughs> she, she's also a very
3: patient woman, Adam. Oh, yeah, you know, she loves me for other reasons. <laughs> it's, um, it's, um, you yeah, know, they grabbed hold of that. The media like to grab hold yeah, it was of that um, quotes and make... They make like to make out. I'm um, curled up, crying in the corner, or, like in in the gutter or something like that. No, so, and you know that's their job. Uh, and I'm I'm happy f- I'm happy for that to go on because you know just watch the space. You know I'll come back. Well, it's, I mean, um... let's be
2: fair. You've also in the middle of all of this. and we'll talk more about your family life in a second. Of course, uh, as well as all of the the property business, you've also been doing work in the media. Um, you've invented shows for Australian television. You've appeared on uh, on loads of other things as well. Is that, is that a part of your life that you still enjoy?
3: Um. Yeah. No. I I invented I I I created a show out here called Australia's Greatest Athlete which was um, you know highly successful and ran for three seasons out here Um, uh, that was fun it was just you know just a little something which I did on the side from property it was never really um, a major um, thing for me it was just a, a little sort of project on the side um, and there's a few other little things here and there which I've got into and, um, you know, they've fallen by the wayside now. At the moment, I'm just enjoying fighting. I'm enjoying competing. I'm enjoying doing, I do charity work. Um, tell, tell us,
2: tell us uh, if you can, pretty briefly about your charity work.
3: Yeah, well, there's, um, I've got um, two days which are on out here. One's a golf day and the other one's a cricket day and they run annually and it's to support a charity out here called Paradise Kids, which are very similar to the charity that I had running in England called uh, my Ben Holyoke Fund, which mm-hmm. was... Um, which was charity, which we did over over there to raise money for kids with terminal illness there. And if, if uh, is there any a website or anything where people can go and see what you're doing? Um, yeah, well, one's called um, cricketchallenge.com.au um, dot dot au, and the other one's called Battle of the Stars dot dot au. So uh, they're, they're um, just they're just two days which I run out here, and they give money to a charity called Paradise Kids, Okay. a local kids charity
2: thank you for that that's okay we've, got, we've come full circle now um, you've mentioned Sharon you've got three kids um, you live on the Gold Coast of Australia which if I were just looking at the uh, the tourist brochures um, looks pretty beautiful tell us uh, uh, where you are now in your life Adam um, uh, currently and if you like to as well look, look forward a bit for us what do you what do you hope for, for the future for you and your family
3: I think the first thing I hope for is just that we, that we remain healthy and you know I think when you've been through circumstances like I've experienced like losing my best friend in a car accident and then my brother in a car accident I think the simple things you just you just don't take them for granted anymore. So for number one thing is is the health of my my wife and my kids um and my friends, you know, I've made some dear friends out of us who've stood by me through some really hard times. Um so number one thing is for them to stay healthy and then number two is to start, you know, um rebuilding um my 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 life um start rebuilding now financially that is i mean financially yeah. it's yeah. i mean you can um put a lot of pressure on yourself to try and make money and stuff like that or you can just try and reduce your desires um i don't have big desires i don't i don't want a jet i don't want a. I don't want a boat i don't want any of those things i just happy going along and spending creating a life where i've got enough time to spend with my children and um and hopefully have a little bit of time to enjoy some stuff myself so um, that's really what the future holds Um, at the moment i'm achieving that so uh, and it doesn't require huge amounts of money to to be able to do that because i'm not that flashy a person but uh i've got some um, ideas for business in the future and like i said i've been in worse positions a hundred times worse positions and i've always enjoyed the battle of coming back so for me it's just a great challenge and just relishing the opportunity to get into it You've been listening to an archive edition of Talk Sports My Sporting Life with
2: Danny Kelly. Thanks for listening, and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, and Spotify for more top Talk Sport content.